Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, take them out and turn to Mark chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning. We're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 15 today. And we're going to open up the the Gospel of Mark and spend uh, a significant amount of time over the next couple months um, looking into the Gospel of Mark, uh, the why of Mark, the person of Mark, and, uh, and all of that. So I'm looking forward to this. I hope you are as well. And, uh, and to, to start off today, we're going to look at how God is a God that keeps His promises. Amen? And so I, I was thinking about that this week and thinking about how important it is to keep your promises. Now, a couple years ago, um, I, I, uh, before, before uh, church started, uh, me and a couple of, of, the, of, of the guys that, that were around were talking about how a local meteorologist had, uh, had ended his newscast, his portion of the newscast, by saying, have a decent day. Right? Anybody remember this? Anybody re- okay, a couple of hands. Anybody remember? This? Yeah, have a decent day. And, uh, and so a couple, a couple of guys had kind of gotten together, and they, and they looked at me, and they said, Travis, now, I need to preface this, and I almost didn't share this illustration, because I can't be bought anymore, okay? All right? Like, like don't, don't take this and sit and say, well, let's try to figure out what we can get them to say next Sunday, right? Uh, that doesn't happen anymore, okay? Um, uh, but, but this particular day, they, they looked at me, and they said, we were doing two services at that point, or maybe even three services. They said, they said, if you can close the service with have a decent day, 10 bucks, right? $10, right? And so, first service went off, and I completely forgot, you know, the, holy, whole, the whole Holy Spirit thing and getting wrapped up in, in God and all of that. Well, then the second service happened, and, uh, and, and, and I was like, you know, that $10 could be useful, right? I mean, like... Like, Vera was in diapers at that point, I think, and, you know, it's like at least a quarter of a bag of diapers. Anyway, um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, I ended the service with have a decent day. Guess what I've not received yet? <laughs> Dave? Ken? Ken? Right? And, and, and yet, they're, they're still here. My Venmo, actually, I don't have Venmo, so you can't even Venmo me. Maybe that's why I haven't received it yet, right? But the importance of keeping a promise. How many of you have ever had a promise broken to you? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Pretty, almost everybody. Almost everybody. You don't have to raise your hand uh, with this one, right? But how many of you have ever broken a promise, Right? Big deal, right? And, 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 and we feel terrible. We feel poorly on both ways. But I want you to know, and what I want us to look at this morning from the book of Mark, is that God is a God that keeps His promises. That God is a God that keeps His promises. That the things that we see in this book that's full of promises, as I've been reading through this week and looking at the book of Genesis, and, and every time I see the word covenant, which is a deep promise, it's like a promise plus, right? I'm underlining it, I'm starring it, because I want to see and I want to show myself and remind myself how many times God makes a promise, that God makes a covenant with His people. And it's a big deal, and it's important. Mark uh, 1 talks about how the gospel is the good news, which, we, uh, which that's the, the gospel defined good news, that God kept His promises to send a Messiah, right? Which was Jesus, His Son. 
So, if you think about the four Gospels, there's four Gospels, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what's the fourth one? John. Good job. Pat yourselves on the back, snaps for everybody. All right. Matthew, a little education here, okay? We're going to, we're going to, I want to give you some background here because it's going to make you appreciate the story of Mark all that much more, okay? Matthew is written to the Jews to tell them that Jesus is the king who fulfills Old Testament prophecy, right? Mark is written, the one that we're going to look at, to Romans telling them that Jesus is the suffering servant who actively, who actively, all right, so that's, that's an action, right, who actively, still actively ministers on our behalf and gives his life a ransom for many. Luke is written to the Greeks telling them that Jesus is the perfect son of man who came to save and minister to all the people uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. John, the storyteller, right? John is written to the world telling them that Jesus is the fully human, fully divine son of God in whom we must trust to receive eternal life to receive eternal life. So, more about specifically the gospel of Mark. Mark is the shortest gospel. It's fast-moving, yet hard-hitting. Okay, he's fast-moving, hard-hitting. It's noted as much for what it omits, what it leaves out from the story of Jesus that the other ones include, as for what it includes. There's no genealogy of Jesus, right? We see that in other Gospels. There's no miraculous birth narrative that we just spent a whole month talking about with Bethlehem and shepherds and, and no room at the inn and all those different things. There's no childhood at Nazareth and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, Luke 2.52, right? There's no, there's no visit to the temple when Jesus was about 13. We don't see that. There's no account of that. There's no sermon on the mount that's documented in Matthew chapter 5, the longest recorded sermon in the scriptures where Jesus just pretty much hits everything. You want to talk about a sermon that would last and kind of go on for days and days if we were to do it now um, because you know preachers have to add their own commentary to the scriptures because that's important. Um, that was a slam at me as much as it was anybody else. Okay? Um, but there's no sermon on the mount. And there's only a few, there's a few parables. And so to summarize, Mark recorded in rapid fire succession specific events from the life and ministry of Jesus to prove, everybody say to prove, to prove to a Roman audience that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God who served, who suffered, who died, who rose again as the suffering servant of the Lord depicted as we're about to see by the prophet Isaiah here in Mark chapter 1. So, a couple things about Mark. Mark was actually named John Mark, which that's not confusing when you think about another gospel writer being named John, right? I mean, we can keep all of that right in, in, in line there, but it's probably why. Uh, anyway, John Mark. John meaning God's gift. Anybody named John in here? Right? You can go around. You can go, you can go around today and say, I'm, I'm God's gift. I wasn't joking with you, John. You're God's gift to summit. Okay, and then Mark, uh, meaning polite or shining, right? So, so God's polite, shining gift is what John Mark stood for and represented. Um, Mark, I found this very fascinating. Um, I don't know if I've forgotten this or what, but I, I, I relearned this. Mark was Peter's interpreter. And so the fascinating thing about Mark, and the thing I love about Mark, is that Mark looks at the life of Jesus, the person of Jesus, kind of through Peter's experiences. Okay, Peter, the guy that denied Jesus three times, the, the Peter, the one that got out of the boat and walked on water. And so what we see is a glimpse of Jesus kind of through the life of Peter. 
Okay, so how should we approach the Gospels? Because we're going to take, we're going to spend the next 16 weeks in the Gospel of Mark. Now this is important um, because we all should be in the Bible, right? And I'm not going to tell you how much you should be in the Bible every day because we just talked about rest and everybody's plate's a different size. Someone, someone can read a verse a day and be filled and be challenged for that day. Somebody, some of us need to read the whole Pentateuch. You know, some of us need to read all four God, right? I'm not going to tell you how much to be in the Word, but each and every one of us ought to be in the Word every day. It was a Spurgeon that said, um, visit many books, but live in the Bible. I love that. Visit many books, but live in the Bible. And so how should we approach the Gospels? I think these are, these are going to be on the screen. Some truths about the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. They are historical and not mythological accounts. Now that's important when we see what's about to happen here, what Jesus is about to do. And when you think about all of the Gospels put together, you can kind of read them and see them. I mean, I mean demons cast out, healing uh, the, 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 the dead, healing the lame, right? Next Sunday we're going to talk about the paralytic, get up and walk, grab your mat, right? And so they're not mythological though, they are historical accounts and that's important. What they record really happen. The second thing, they will vary. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they vary. The Gospels vary. Why? Because they're written by four different people, right? And so, and so I want you to think about this, all right? Think about, the, the, think about three people around you, you and them, you're going to a restaurant, right? This happens all the time when I go to restaurants, right? You sit down, you have a meal, you leave the restaurant, if all four of you came to me and recounted that experience, there's going to be different aspects that each and every one of you point out, right? Some of you are going to really enjoy the atmosphere, right? Some of you are really, you don't really care about the food, like you want it to taste decent, you want it to be warm if it's supposed to be a warm meal, you want it to be cold if it's supposed to be a cold meal, you want it to come out in a decent amount of time, like if you're waiting an hour, and an hour, well actually some of that probably doesn't bother you because you would just sit and just admire the aesthetic, right? And it would be filling enough for you to just be sitting there knowing that you don't have to do the dishes after this meal, you can just sit there and be and enjoy the environment, Right? So others of you, right, you would point out the specific ingredients that you knew were in your meal that you were so happy were in there, and then others of you weren't, right? Like, like I, I can promise you if I go to a restaurant, and, and, and like, it, like this happens all the time in Italian restaurants, right? I don't, I don't know why, but, but they, they stick mushrooms into things where mushrooms just shouldn't live, right? And, and I have trust issues, Right? Because of that. Right? And so some of you would point that out. Others of you would point out the timeliness, right? How quickly you got served and how quickly your food came and how quickly you got out of there. Man, six of us went in there. We ate a full meal and we were out 19 minutes flat. Yes! Right? Like that would be Mark. Right? Rapid fire. Right? That's what he's going to value. Right? And then others of you would tell me the entire scope, the whole story. You wouldn't want me to miss a detail. That would be John, right? John's the one that you would want to sit around the fire with at night having s'mores because the Gospel of John, he's a storyteller, 
right? He's a storyteller, and so you would want that. And so, and so they're, they're, they vary, all four Gospels vary, because each writer, right? Now, now, overarching, right, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, everything's in there that, that God wanted to be in there, right? But each are going to vary because each Gospel writer valued different things and had a different goal with what they were trying to write. Okay, and so they all vary, and they all see a different side and 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 uh, of of the person and work of Jesus. What, leading to number three, all four gospels are all about the person and work of Jesus. You want to know Jesus? Uh, Ephesians five one imitate Christ therefore as his dear children. You want to do that? You want to know what you're called to imitate as a Christian? Right? Read the Gospels. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy um, by the name of Francis Chan a few years ago. I say a few years ago. It was probably about 13, 14 years ago now. Um, who sat down and he wanted to know Jesus. He was a pastor in Simi Valley, California of a small church of about 15,000 people. And, uh, and, and he, and he, he kind of got up one day and he said, I just want to know Jesus. I want to just, I want to strip everything away. I don't want to know Jesus. And here's something huge. Here's something huge. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I don't want to know Jesus through the context of church. I want to know Jesus personally. Like, I just want to know Jesus. And so he, uh, he, he, I think he took a month, four, six weeks off and, and, and just, just decided that he was going to read the Gospels. That he was going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John like he had never read them before just to get to know Jesus. And it changed his life. He wrote an entire book called Crazy Love all about his experience. Getting to know Jesus. So all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all about the person and work of Jesus. And number four, number four, this might mess with us a little bit, they're more concerned with Jesus' death than his life. They're more concerned with Jesus' death than his life. More than 25%, more than a quarter, more than one-fourth, all of those are the same thing if you remember math, okay, more than a quarter of each gospel deals with the final week of Jesus' life. The final week of Jesus' life. Which if you think about the implications of that, right? Because we know the end of the story. We know what's coming on week 16, Easter Sunday. Right? Hope is born. Right? Hope is born. Right? That He is going to prepare a place for us and we can have hope and we can celebrate and we can have life. And all John 20, uh, many other signs and wonders were written that are not in this book, but these are written that you may have life and have it to the full and have it abundantly. Right? And so we know the end of the story. Right? And what the death of Jesus implicates, brings for us. It's the thing that separates Christianity from any other religion. The fact that we have hope in a Savior to come, the already, but not yet, if you remember from the second week of Advent, right? That He's already come, but the not yet, that He's coming again. And so those are four things that I felt like were important for you to know as we approach the Gospel of Mark. Now, you ready to dive in? All right, cool. I, I counted like six or seven of you, so that's great. I'm, I'm going to take those. Uh, it's okay, six or seven of you. Mark chapter 1, 1 through 15. Let's read it together. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path 
straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized, excuse me, in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven, uh, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after, Jesus was, excuse me, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, repent and believe the gospel. Now, the first thing I want you to see here in Mark chapter 1 is something we've already talked about, and having a decent day. Okay, we can trust God to keep his promise. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, you can trust God. All right, look at your other neighbor and say, you might not be able to trust me. Especially to be on church on time. But you can trust God, right? We can trust God to keep his promise. We can trust God to keep his promise. Promise. I was fascinated this week reading of the story of Abraham. Abram, right? And he was and he was standing out. It was nighttime, and and he was he was spending time with God. He was talking to God, and 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 God looked at Abram, who had no children at the time, and said and said, um, your your descendants, your your children are going to outnumber the stars in the sky if you can count them, right? If you can count them. And God's kind of being a little, you know, kind of kind of being a little. Uh, um, yeah, with, with, with Abram. And, and, and Abram says, yeah, I believe. Right? I believe. And the scripture says, and God counted it righteousness to Abram that he believed. You know, a lot of us, you know, a lot of us think we've got to do all these things. We've got to achieve all these things. We've got to accomplish all these things. We've got to work, 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 do, do, do in order to, for God to count us righteous. And all through our scripture the people who are called the most righteous are those that just believe. Now, because they believe, it leads them to do some crazy things, some wild things like building an ark, right? But they believed first, and that's what drove them. And sometimes I feel like we get it backwards. Where if we do enough, if we work hard enough, we might believe enough and then get righteousness. And it comes the other way around. God kept his word to send Jesus. Now, if you see um, verse 1 of chapter 1 there, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, that word beginning, everybody say beginning. I'm just making sure, I mean, it's an icy morning and everybody's probably a little thrown off with your commute in and things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't there wasn't weather at 7.15. You guys should have come then. It would have been great, right? Um, um, I, I just want to make sure you're with me, okay? All right. This, um, uh, the first 15 verses here, right, they intro the book of Mark, but they're also the theme of the entire gospel, 
Okay? Beginning recalls Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Also, uh, John 1-1, right? He was in the beginning. He was the Word, and the Word was with God. And so that beginning word is huge. And what it implicates is that something new and something exciting has occurred. That there's good news, that there's a big deal, and it changes everything. The entire Old Testament spoke of a Savior that needed to come. And Mark is saying here, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He is here. So God kept His promises in sending Jesus. A second thing that I want you to notice here, look at verses 2 through 4. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. God kept his word in sending a forerunner. Now, this this is spoken of. Uh, a few times in the Old Testament, but here we see specifically in Isaiah, verses 2 and 3 of of Mark chapter 1 are quoting the prophet Isaiah that are going to talk about the forerunner. Now, just a pop quiz here, just to see how much you've been paying attention. Who's the forerunner? John, man, you guys are so great. You guys are so great. John the Baptist, right? Now, forerunners are important, okay? Forerunners are important. Uh, for, for two reasons, for two reasons, forerunners are important. Number one, for safety, right? Like, like, like if you have a forerunner that's running ahead of you, right, that can report things back to you that you need to be aware of, right? That's important, right? Also, right, for awareness so that you don't miss out on anything. Now, I had the experience last Friday, um, I, I, I think I mentioned last Sunday, I went for a run last Friday, I know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I get it, right? But I was running down in Cape Cod, and, uh, and, and, and I, I was pretty close to my turnaround point, and, and I had someone in my life that I operated as a forerunner. They didn't know they were a forerunner, I didn't know they were a forerunner at the time, but God used them as a forerunner for my safety and for my awareness, Okay, it was a set of grandparents that were out walking their grandchild, and they're walking in the opposite direction that I'm running, and, uh, and they gave me a warning of something that I was about to come across on my run. I can't really call it a run. On my very slow, fast-paced walk slash jog, my walk. Okay, check out this picture. All right, now, I don't want to be in the way, but do you see anything in this picture that might startle you? Let me give you a hint. Woo! You see those ears? Now, that was about, leave the picture up, Ken. That was for, I was after about two or three minutes of me standing there staring at this thing. We had a stare down, right? We had a stare down. So I'm jogging along, walking along, and, uh, and, and this set of grandparents, they said, hey, fair warning, right? This is another reason I don't run with headphones in because I would have missed the warning and may not be here today, right? Because it's just, it, would have, it would have spooked me and startled me. And some of you want to tell you what this is. You're going to be like, oh, big deal. It's not a cat. Okay? But as I'm running along, I hear, I hear uh, the, grand, the grandfather say, hey, heads up. You might want to turn around. There's a coyote up there. Not something I would have expected to hear in Cape Cod running along the beach at like 11 o'clock in the morning. I've never, come, I've never seen a coyote, I don't think. 
um, that I know of, right? And so I didn't turn around because curiosity was up. And now I was aware, right? And so I wanted to see, right? And so I kind of safely kind of kept walking along and kind of get up to where I could see. And, and then, and then um, I looked over and I saw the ears. And he was staring at me. And so I stared back at him. Right? And I took a couple steps closer. Didn't move. Right? Didn't move. And so then I started snapping some pictures and thought, oh, this is awesome. Right? This is so cool. I am also the dumb dumb that will try to get as close to a bear as I possibly can if I run into one in the wilderness. Okay? That, I'm the dumb dumb. Not a brown bear. Anyway, let's stay focused. Okay? Right? And so then, 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 um, uh, we, we kept, we kept going and, and uh, he, he ended up walking away and I got some other pictures of him that I can show proof that he, it was a real coyote and it's not just leaves that are you know perfectly shaped right there if you need to see those because you don't trust your pastor we've got deeper conversations we need to have but that's okay I can show you those okay and uh, and then and then I kept I kept jogging a little bit to my turnaround spot turn around and I start going back and I start thinking huh I don't have a forerunner anymore I've lost track of this thing. It could have been watching me, right, and could know where I'm about to come. And so I should probably, I should probably pick a little bit of a different path or a slower path or a more aware path. And then as I get about 20, 30 yards away from the driveway where I saw it, it darted across the road so fast and went and, uh, and, and got behind a dumpster of a restaurant that was right there. And I kept jogging. And I thought, wow, how cool was it? How cool was it that I just got to experience that, right? How cool. Some of you are like, I got coyotes in my backyard. I see them all the time. Don't steal this from me, okay? Don't take this moment away from me and hear the significance of what I'm trying to say, right? Right? I, because of the forerunner, because of the person that was ahead of me, I got to experience something that I thought was really cool, right? Really cool. And I also was warned of something that was ahead that could not be as cool, right? Especially if there would have been more of them, right? That wouldn't have been, so, so safety and awareness. That's what John's doing here. Although John had a little bit more of a mission, that he was to prepare the way for Jesus, right? That he was to prepare the way for Jesus. Hey, one's coming, right? Someone's coming, whose sandals I'm unworthy to tie. He's mightier than I. I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, meaning, meaning I've got the symbol of baptism, but He's going to baptize you with a baptism that's going to change your life, that's going to com be completely transformational for your life, that if you'll walk according to the Spirit, it'll affect everything, every decision you make. Right? And so, and so uh, God kept His Word in sending a forerunner. John sent, God sent John before as a messenger. God promised to send a messenger who would prepare the way, who would loudly proclaim the message. And what I, what I want you to notice is that his message was simple and clear, wasn't it? Repent and be baptized. Right? Repent and be baptized. For Jesus is coming. Now, what does this mean for us? We can trust that God will keep His promises. Number two, we can trust that God is still sending messengers. Can we? 
Look at verses 4 through 8. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, whose, uh, the straps of whose sandals I'm, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right? Go back to the sending of John. While he prepared the way of Jesus, he also understood his role. In John 3.30, he records that he must increase, I must decrease. So John knew his role. Right? John wasn't out there to be the, to, to, to be the uh, uh, what do you call the band that's first, uh, to, The opening act, right? We'll just go with that. John wasn't out there to be the opening act to try to make a name for himself, right? John was out there to try to reflect everything back onto Jesus because he knew it was all about Jesus. John knew that he needed to decrease and Jesus needed to increase. John's ministry was not about himself. It was rightly centered on Jesus. So like John today, we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. He called people to prepare their hearts for what God had in store for them and pointed them to Jesus. John's in the desert outside of Jerusalem, about 20 miles, baptizing in the Jordan River. And to get here, not only do you have to travel 20 miles outside the city, but you have to travel about 4,000 feet up, which would be the equivalent of about Mount Washington, right? Isn't that about 4,000 feet, right? So that was not a light day. That was not a light trek. So not only did you have to go 20 miles, but you had to go 40,000 feet up. The benefit is Mount Washington is about 4,000 feet up over about four and a half miles. So this is spread out over 20 miles just to make the suffering a little bit longer and, you know, so on. Right? And so 4,000 feet up, but the text tells us that people are flocking to John to hear what he had to say and to be baptized. John baptized for the repentance of sin. We know what repentance is. It's a change of mind, a deliberate turning, a 180. People would come to John, confess their sin, and he would baptize them as a sign that they'd been forgiven of God, a symbol, right? Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life, washed by the blood of Jesus. The end result of true repentance is God's forgiveness, People came to John because they had a need that was bigger than what they could meet. And John's role was to give them the good news about their need. Today, you may be here and have a bigger need than you can meet. I want to let you know that Jesus is the good news for you. I want you to know that when you choose repentance, God chooses forgiveness. Isn't that a beautiful thing? The role of the church today, the role of Summit Church today, is to bring the good news into the lives of people. That's a huge deal. And I want to make sure that we grasp that. I want to make sure that we really grab onto that and get that. That our role, our role as the body of Christ is to bring the good news to people. Okay? So I want you to think about it this way. Right? The already but not yet. Okay? And so John, John prepared the way for Jesus in the already. You see this? He was the forerunner for Jesus in the already. 
Okay? Who's the forerunner for Jesus in the not yet? The fact that Jesus is coming back. His church. Us. Me. You. If we call ourselves children of God. Hear this. This is, this is extremely important and, and has major implications on what we do and why we do it. That just like John prepared the way of Jesus, the forerunner for Jesus, to raise awareness, to save souls, right? To repent and be baptized, right? In the already that Jesus has come and then he was crucified and he's ascended back to heaven, but there's a not yet. Jesus is coming again. We believe that, don't we? Now, we don't know when he's coming. And if you want to write a book about it and choose a date and make a lot of money and build the new building, that's fine. You're lying to everybody, but that's fine, right? That's, that's it. But we don't know, right? No one knows the, the day or the hour. That's what Scripture says, okay? No one knows the day or the hour. No one knows the day or the hour, right? But there's a not yet that Jesus is coming back, and the role of the church is to prepare the way, to proclaim the message, to proclaim the gospel, that there's a hope coming back to bring us to eternity in heaven paradise. Now, I don't know about you, but if you don't get excited about that, your skin's too tight. Your year has already gotten off to a bad start. Because that's huge. And so our role here in the church, in the body of Christ, is to not tell each other what we want to hear. It's to not pat each other on the back when we're stuck in habitual sin, but to prepare each other for the coming that Jesus is coming again. And that's awesome, right? It's awesome. And it also means we can blame him when we have to say hard things. Hey, I don't want to do this, but I love you. And God's want me to ask you that, right? Right? And so, major implications on who we are as the church. When we do that, right? When we do that, we accomplish our calling as a church. Now, so like... Like John, we need to be faithful. Secondly, like John, we need to be humble. Now, you may not have caught the humility of John here. Okay, but I want you to see it. Because I think it's awesome. A wandering preacher living in the wilderness. A wandering preacher living out in Cornish. Right, we'll call that the wilderness. Although, I'm going to say Cornish is making a name for itself. It's got some restaurants out there that you can't miss, right? Bay Haven, I haven't been to any of them yet, Bay Haven, um, um, Fairgrounds, right? I hear great things, anyway, sorry, right? Uh, oh. <laughs> a wandering preacher living in the wilderness, we'll go Buxton, okay, that's better. Not the forerunner we probably would have picked, isn't that interesting? Some of you have put your trust and your faith in the wrong forerunner. I have. Oh, man. I can't tell you how many times I've done this. I'm not celebrating it. I wish I'd have done a much better job. Right? But, but man, so many times I've put so much hope and faith and confidence in the wrong person that is just at the... At the, at, the hard, at the easiest moment, at the, at the first sign of hardship, bounced out of my life. 
bounced out of my life. And so keep an eye out because the forerunner that God has picked for your life, okay, may not be the one that you would pick. All right, sorry, that was free. Not in the notes. John, go back to John, no credentials. Not studied in a formal school with Pharisees or rabbis, which would have been, which would have been pretty normal and, and status quo at this point. He wore funny clothes. He ate weird food. I mean, look, all this is right in the text. Okay, John, clothed with camel's hair, wore a leather belt around his waist, ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And so, like John, we need to be humble. How was John humble? He was humble in appearance. Wore camel-haired garment with leather belt. Humble in appearance. I think of, I think of who, who was it? Steve Jobs that wore the same outfit every day because he didn't want to spend time figuring out what to wear. Right? That's my excuse. Okay? Right? Humble in appearance, wore a camel hair garment with leather belt. He was humble in home. He lived in the desert. A wandering preacher. Humble in diet. Now, this is where John loses me a little bit, okay? Ate locusts and honey. At least he was high in protein and minerals. And he was humble in message. John just said what God asked him to say. Repent and be baptized. And you know what? It was enough. It was enough. One greater than me is coming. He's so great, I'm not worthy to do what only a gentle slave would do. Untie his sandals. My baptism is outward with water. It's a symbol. His baptism is, his baptism is inward with the Holy Spirit. It's the real thing. Jesus brings a change of desires, a change of actions, and so on. He wants to change you, not because you're bad, right? Not because of all those things, but because he wants you to know him. He has something so much greater than you. For you than you do in your own, right? It's not, and so hear that, right? He just wants us to be more like Him, and it takes time. You're not going to make a decision today. Yes, Jesus, I want to be more like you, and then tomorrow wake up and woof, right? It's a journey, it's a process of years and years and years that we, guess what, won't even achieve this side of heaven. But the one who is coming is mightier than I am more worthy than I am, more powerful than I am. And you know what about John? John wouldn't live to be 35 years old. He would be imprisoned and beheaded. The world, no doubt, scoffed at this crazy man. Heaven, however, would smile. Heaven would smile. Then I want you to see, just real quickly, and we're going we're gonna to keep going with this next Sunday, but I don't want to leave it here. The ministry of Jesus started, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, at this point, just to show you what we were talking about earlier, at this point, Jesus is about 30 years old. 
right? And so, and so we've, we've covered a lot of ground here in the first eight verses of Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There's no Bethlehem story. There's no, there's no room in the end story. There's no, there's no shepherds. There's no wise men, right? There's, there's none of that here. John gets right to the point. He gets right to the ministry of Jesus, the forerunner preparing the way, and then the ministry of Jesus. He was baptized by John in the Jordan, and when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, which is important. He was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And what I want you to see there is that he had to be tested for what God had for him. But what I want you to see is that the testing comes at the beginning of his ministry to prepare him. Forty days he was tested. Forty days to prepare for, what, for the journey that God had ahead of him. He was baptized and immediately he went into the wilderness to be tested. Right? Immediately he went into the wilderness to be tested. So many of us are trying to avoid the test when we need to embrace the test. Because the testing provides on the other side a plan, a purpose that God has from your testing. See, here's what I've learned. God never wastes a test. God never wastes a test. He never wastes a hard day. He never wastes a hard conversation that you've dreaded. He never wastes it. They're all in preparation for you to fulfill the purpose that He has for you, and they're all for the purpose of making you more like His Son. And so some of you had a really testing 2021. Some of you have had a really testing uh, uh, first week of 2022. Some of you are still thinking it's 2020 because you've just tried to block, or 2019 because you've just tried to block the two years out of your mind completely, right? What does God have for you next that he's prepared you for all through this process, all through this journey? I was with somebody uh, this week and, uh, and, 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 and we, we had a little bit of time together one morning, and uh, they came in and they just said, just said, new year, new me, right? New year, new me. This is a big time. I'm new year, new me. All these new things, I'm whew, putting this into practice, putting this into practice, and now, man, I'm just so excited. About five years, five hours later, came limping into my office, Right? Because the bubble had been bursted. The testing had started. And I, look, I looked at this person and I said, listen, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy doesn't want you to have new year, new you, all these different things, new practices, new disciplines, all these different things to make you better so that the rest of us hate you less. Right? I was a little softer than that. Not much. But God never wastes a test. God never wastes a test. I've told the story many, many times. I'll tell it probably many more. Um, first time I was entrusted with a youth event, about 16 years old, uh, 17 years old, and uh, I was put in charge of, a, of, a, a, of an open mic night, okay, a coffee, a coffee shop that our youth group used to do. 
Um, and, and I was an intern at the time. And one of the biggest things about coffee shop that you've got to know is it starts at 6 o'clock at night and goes to 10 o'clock at night. Now, what typically happens from between the hours of 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. on a Friday night? Dinner. Right? Food of some type, especially for teenagers. I mean, you could say 24 hours a day. Food for teenagers, right? And, and, uh, and this guy, right, yours truly, was put in charge of this coffee house, this coffee shop, um, for the night. And, I, and I, I, was, I was to run the whole thing, start to finish, preparations. It was open mic, so we were going to have all these, uh, uh, you know, other bands in. So I was coordinating all of that. And the one thing I forgot to do was order the food. And so at about 6.45, my youth pastor came to me and he looked at me and said, Travis, what time is the pizza getting here? Because people are getting hungry. And I said, what pizza? (laughs) And he said, the pizza that you should have ordered probably at about 2 o'clock this afternoon because we need about 30, 35 pizzas for all the kids here. And uh, I said, I didn't order any pizza. He didn't say anything to me in that moment, which is probably a really, really good thing right? He just left and he went and manufactured food from a grocery store. I don't know how he did it still to this day. Next Monday morning, I got called into Thad's office, sat across the desk from him. I was ready to hand in my keys. I was ready to hand in my Bible, right? I was hanging up ministry. This just wasn't for me, right? I forgot the food in a youth event, right? And so I looked across the, 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 the desk and I said, Thad, I'm so, so sorry. I messed up big time. I made a huge mistake. And he looked back across the desk at me and he said, did you learn something? I said, yeah, I learned. I learned that you never forget the food, right? Probably should do that first. He said, then it wasn't a mistake. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm not fired from my free volunteer intern position? <laughs> he said, no, you're not fired. You get what you pay for, which I realized was a really big slam in that moment, but... <laughs> Don't miss the point. God never wastes a test. God never wastes a moment. God never wastes a test. God never wastes a moment. He was led into the wilderness, tempted for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. And then verses 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus took the torch from the forerunner. We can trust that God will keep His promises. He sent Jesus. He sent a forerunner just like He said He was going to do. Who was faithful and humble. And so this morning, two questions for you. Two questions for you. Where do you need to be faithful? Where is God asking you right now to be more faithful? Where is God asking you right now to stay faithful in the midst of a hard, hard time? Where do you need to be faithful? No matter what, no matter how many, no matter how many balloons that are up there are getting popped and burst every day, that you would stay faithful. That you would stay faithful. Where do you need to be faithful? Where do you need to stay faithful? As John was faithful. And then secondly, how is God calling you to be humble? 
We looked at John, humble in appearance, humble in home, humble in diet, humble in message. I'm not saying that you need to go put your car up for sale or you need to go you know, do, do this or do anything drastic or anything like that. But what I am asking you is who is your life about? Who is it about? Who are you making much of? You know, we, we, we misdefine and I think misunderstand humility often. We talk about this quite a bit at, 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 at church on Sunday mornings because I think the Bible talks a lot about humility. Um, you know, I think we try to communicate the message of humility to each other that humility is just thinking less of yourself. Right? It's just thinking less of yourself. It's not, it's not you know, you, you do something big, you downplay it. Right? You, you, you accomplish something, you downplay it. You might not even tell. And that's not the case at all. It's just thinking of yourself less. Right? Why? Because you recognize that you are a, a puzzle piece in a much bigger, a much larger puzzle that God is piecing together for His glory, for His good, for His message, and for His will. Right? Donald Miller uh, wrote a book years ago, probably, probably 15, 20 years ago, called Blue Like Jazz that rocked me in the, in the time that it was big. And, and the whole premise of the book was that Donald Miller said, each and every one of us think that life is a movie that's about us, and we're the star character, and it's kind of like the Truman Show, right? We, 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 feel like, we feel like life is just a movie about each and every one of us, and all of you, so that would make all of you characters in my movie, right? Some of you are villains, some of you are, you know, co-labor, right? All, all of different things, right? And so all of you are characters and your pieces in my movie. And that's not the case at all, right? We're all a part of a bigger picture that's God's. And so how is God calling you to be humble? What is God calling you to be faithful to? Are you willing to ask those questions? Are you willing to ask those questions this morning? I'm going to ask the worship team to come and my prayer for us is that we would look, that we would look at our lives and say, okay, God, okay, okay, where do I need to persevere? Where do I need to hang in? Where do I need to stay faithful? Okay, God, I've made this way too much about me. How can I make this about you? What are some things I need to change? What are some things that I need to do to make a shift here from me to you? From me to you. Think about John's life. Everything that he was, his why for getting up in the morning was to make much of Jesus. To make much of of Jesus. And so when you have that breakfast this week, when you go into that workplace tomorrow that you're dreading, when you go back to school, when you, when you do whatever it is that's coming up, walk in and say, you know what? My purpose today, my job today, is to make much of Jesus. And you don't have to stand on the cafeteria tables and shout out, repent and be baptized.
Because they might call me, and we might have to have some really hard conversations and awkwardness, okay? And you might, right? You don't have to do that, right? But who's that person that you just need to love on? Who's that person you need to forgive? Who's that person that you need to be gracious toward? Who's that person that you need to let go of? Father, I pray for each and every one of us in this room. God, first of all, first of all, God, I thank you that you're a God that keeps his promises. And God, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't feel like it, even when we sit and we look and we say, God, this isn't the way that you, this isn't the thing that you had in mind. God, it's not true. Because your will is higher than our will. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth are your thoughts than our thoughts. So we may not understand what you're doing in the moment in different things, in different places. But God, that's not up for us to understand. God, I'm thankful that you're God that keeps his promises. And God, in that, you sent John who was faithful and who walked with humility. And so God, on the outset here, as we look in the book of Mark, in the gospel of Mark, at the life of Jesus and the person of Jesus, God, Jesus had a forerunner. God, Jesus had someone before him to raise awareness of his message, to prepare the way. And God, that's what each and every one, that's what each and every one of us are called to, is to God prepare the way for you to come again, to be faithful to be humble, to tell people about the hope that we can have in you, that as dark as today's may look, as joyful as today's may be, God, that there's more joy to come, that there is hope to come. And so, God, I pray that each and every one of us would be able to put ourselves aside for the sake of accomplishing the thing that you've called us to. God, that we would be faithful, and that in being faithful, we would be humble. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.